The fellowship with God's people is through grace, mercy, and peace. We talk about this in the second of John, John 2, second John verses 1 through 11. That's what we talk about today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembrick. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, a program designed to take you through the Bible. Very excited about it. And as we continue in this stretch to the end of Revelation, it is exciting. Corey is here. Corey? I'm going to be taking a look at James, the brother of Jesus today. Ryan? Today, my segment is all about Jude and his short but very hard-hitting letter. Yeah, very good. Uh, Jude, we don't get to it this year, but uh, we have in the past. Going to get to it next year. Janice? I want to highlight John's farewell today. All right. All of this is and more is coming your way. Uh, me in about three minutes. They're coming up in about 15 minutes. Janice in 17 minutes. Let's open up the Bible guide and discover what God is saying to us. Second John 1 through 11. The Elder, to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all those who have known the truth, because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father in truth and love. I rejoiced greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we received commandment from the Father. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him, for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. 2 John verses 1 through 11. Second, third John and the book of Jude. These are short chapters in these books, but it is very interesting to consider what John says. Now, the apostle John was one of the original 12 disciples of Jesus, the son of Zebedee, the brother of James, and the writer of five books of the Bible. A witness to Jesus before it was revealed that Jesus actually was Christ or the Son of God. Present at the crucifixion and the transfiguration of Jesus, John actually took responsibility for Jesus's mother and visited the empty tomb at the urging of Jesus's women followers. He experienced 
Jesus's resurrection and watched as he ascended to heaven. Now, afterwards, John was involved with the spreading of the gospel and the growing of the early church. Later, we share in John's visions in the book of Revelation as he sees the Christ as he is right now. In 2 John, however, he writes to the elect lady who handles an early church group in her home to encourage her and actually to warn her. Now, through John, we have amazing early witnesses to the importance of women to God. In a culture that undervaluated, often mistreated women, God holds no such grudge against his amazing daughters. And this is absolutely stunning. Now, we live in a time right now and today when women are very much, I, I, I guess I should say, they're very much respected and very much handled differently than they were in the ancient times of the Bible. Jesus Christ tells us and teaches us how to handle women. Now, this is fascinating because John is filled with the spirit of God. And as he's filled with the Lord's spirit, he says things to the elder, to the woman. And he says to the elect lady, that's what he talks about. So we're going to talk about today, women in the church. This is absolutely fascinating. Now, if you don't have a Bible guide, you know my question, why not? Call or write today and get a hold of your Bible guide. Another way you can get it is to go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. When you go there, simply click on it and it takes you to a donut page. And may I say thank you for your donations. They are very, very important to us. And uh, so we really appreciate it right now. But let's turn to the page and let's learn what God is saying. First, let's pray. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would teach us your way and show us your path. Because, Father, there are many ways today and there are all kinds of paths. But, Lord, we want to know what your way, what is your path? Because you are always right. You are the perfect God and you teach us and you show us. So help us to see that today, Lord. And help the word of God, the Bible, to change our hearts. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we said together, amen and amen. Now listen carefully to this, because this is John, under the power of the Holy Spirit, speaking to a woman. I find this fascinating. Watch this. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth. And not only I, but also all of those who have known the truth. Because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever, grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and in love. Now, this is very important. I want you to understand that true fellowship of God's people in the church, in his church, is through grace, through mercy and peace. It is not based on your status in society. We must always remember this as followers of Jesus Christ. Beloved, listen carefully. Fellowship with each other depends on our relationship with God. 
as we have given our lives to the Lord and turned ourselves over to the Holy Spirit, God takes control of our lives and we allow his spirit to begin to work within us. Now, it doesn't happen immediately. It takes an entire lifetime for this to take place. But we need to remember that because so much of society is divided. I want to tell you something. We live in countries in the West that are just divided. I believe this. Somebody else believes that. They believe that. They believe this. I vote this way. You vote that way. It's God's church doesn't focus on what divides us, but God's church focuses on what keeps us together. That is Jesus Christ and his gospel and how he has changed each of us. Well, let's read on because it gets really interesting now. I rejoiced greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we received commandment from the father. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. Remember that this is love, that we walk according to his commandments, Christ's commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. Now, what's really important is to remember that Jesus walked according to God's truth. And we should, too, with the help of the Holy Spirit. You see, the standard of love is found in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13. And it is important for us to understand among each other the standard of love. A lot of people say, well, what does that mean when you say you love me? It's not romantic like Hollywood likes to make it or Bollywood likes to cast it. It is something that the Bible describes in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It is called the more excellent way. In fact, there's one statement in there about love. It says, love never fails. So that's very interesting. Well, this is really something. As we focus on this, let's go further because this last part is really important. This is 7 through 11. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things which we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine, the teaching of Christ does not have God. Who does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the teaching of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house or greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. This is fascinating. Spiritual leaders in the church are called to protect it from false teachers. Now, I want you to just listen to this. Those who pervert the gospel of Christ should not be encouraged or supported. Beloved, those who support the gospel of Christ should be but those who do not should not be encouraged. That's a very important lesson of the second chapter of John and something we need to read and hear today. 
Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. Okay, so today I want to focus on the tiny letter penned by Jude, or Judas in Hebrew. Now, of course, this isn't Judas Iscariot, but rather Judas, the half-brother of Jesus Christ. And even though this name now carries with it very negative connotations, in the first century it was really popular to name your son Judas because of Judas Maccabeus, who was a leader of the Jewish resistance against Syria during the famous Maccabean Revolt until his death in 160 BC. But as I said, the Judas, or Jude, who is apparently responsible for the book in the Bible, is the half-brother of Jesus. And we're going to take a survey of this small but powerful letter. So, let's go. After the three letters of John, but before the book of Revelation, is a very small book entitled, in the Greek, of Jude. As its title suggests, and as the introduction of the letter makes clear, this short but hard-hitting book, which was written to warn the believers about false teachers who had infiltrated the church, was penned by Jude, the brother of James. Interestingly, the only brothers named Jude and James in the New Testament are the half-brothers of Jesus. Although neither man identifies himself as the Lord's brother, other biblical writers do. Even the early church testified to their identity. But if these two men were indeed the brothers of Jesus, then why not identify themselves as such? Probably, Jude and James didn't want any special consideration just because they were sons of Mary and Joseph, or brothers of Jesus. So rather than identifying himself as a brother of Jesus, Jude refers to himself only as a servant of Jesus. As far as the dating of this letter is concerned, it certainly could not have been written past AD 90 since a brother, even a younger brother of Jesus, could not have lived past this time. A major key in accurately dating Jude is actually 2 Peter. This is because both letters describe similar false teachings, which suggests that they were written around the same time. As one scholar explains, both letters denounce false teachers with very similar language. Since the order is similar, and since the Bible does not use many of these words and expressions elsewhere, some kind of relationship probably exists between Jude and 2 Peter. The good news is that we know 2 Peter was written between 63 and 65 AD. But the bad news is that we don't know which letter came first. Did Peter borrow from Jude, or did Jude borrow from Peter? If Jude used Peter as his source, then his work would post-date 2 Peter. On the other hand, if Peter used Jude as his source, then Jude would obviously predate Peter. Since there is no way of knowing for sure which came first, scholars date Jude anywhere from 60 to 80 AD. Also somewhat of a mystery is to whom Jude was writing. While it is evident that he wrote to a specific church or group of churches, not much else is known. However, at the very least, the Jewishness of Jude's letter suggests that the recipients were primarily Jews, perhaps living in the midst of a Gentile culture. Part of what makes Jude's letter so Jewish and so unique is his mixture of Holy Spirit-inspired scripture with a bit of Jewish tradition. 
For example, he tells of the Archangel Michael's dispute with the devil over the body of Moses, and he quotes a prophecy from the pre-flood prophet Enoch, each of which come from non-biblical Jewish writings. Of course, as Dr. Henry Morris pointed out, Jude's references to these extra-biblical texts do not mean that the books themselves were inspired writings, but rather that certain portions of them did convey authentic histories. Now, originally there was a lot more to this segment, but unfortunately it had to be cut down for the sake of time. The good news, though, is that you can go to our website at BibleDiscoveryTV.com and read the article there, which is nearly double the length of what you saw today. It's called simply An Introduction to Jude, and you can also check it out on my YouTube channel if you like. And the website, again, is Bible Discovery TV. Bible Discovery TV. Remember the TV. That's very important. Uh, .com. BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Join us there. It's going to be very good. Corey, what do you think? All right. Well, very much like the Judes or Judases of the New Testament, there was a few of them, right? It's a really popular name. There was also a few different James in the New Testament and undoubtedly in the New Testament time period. But today we're going to be focusing in on James, the brother of Jesus, rather than James, the son of Zebedee, who was a disciple and then an apostle of Christ. So take a look at this segment on James, the brother of Jesus. One of the most surprising early figureheads of the Christian church was James, the brother of Jesus. Early in Christian history, he was nicknamed James the Just to differentiate him from James, the Apostle of Christ. Early Christian writers speak of James as exemplary in his religious life, living for God as a Jew dedicated to Jesus Christ. The New Testament tells us much the same of James once he became a Christian, though it doesn't give us as much detail as we may like. The first mention of James in the Gospels comes from Matthew 13. When Jesus preaches in Nazareth, he's met with skepticism because the people had known him from childhood, knew his parents, naming his mother four brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and mentioning that he also had sisters. Unimpressed with Jesus' origins, most of his hometown neighbors couldn't respect him as a teacher. In Mark 3, we learn that his brothers traveled to him to try to make him stop his ministry, thinking that he was out of his mind. And in John 7, his brothers try to convince him to go to the Passover festival in Jerusalem to prove himself as a teacher. It's noted that they did not believe in him. In their culture, family honor was of utmost importance. Jesus being so controversial would have brought the family into shame and disrespect. The next time we hear about James and the brothers of Christ in the Bible is in Acts 1, after the death and resurrection of Christ. They're with the apostles of Christ, dedicating themselves to prayer. So at some point between John 7 and Acts 1, the brothers of Christ went from skeptics to followers of him. In 1 Corinthians 15, 7, the Apostle Paul is describing the resurrection appearances of Jesus. He says that Jesus appeared to James and then the rest of the apostles. It seems that Jesus met with his brother, and for James and the rest, it changed everything. James then became a prominent leader of the Jerusalem church. The Apostle Paul called him a pillar of the church and speaks of him as on the same level or even higher than the other apostles. 
When a council was held to figure out what should be done with Christian Gentiles, whether they should also follow the Mosaic law, it was James who was given the last word. He discerned that Gentile Christians did not need to follow the law, though they did need to separate themselves from pagan practices, while not taking up Jewish ones. The first century Roman historian Josephus recorded the martyrdom of James, calling him the brother of Jesus and saying that he was sentenced to death by the Sanhedrin who stoned him. A later fourth century Christian historian tells us that an earlier Christian writer said that James was pushed off a high edge of the Temple Mount where he was addressing the crowd. When the fall didn't kill him, the religious leaders stoned him and finished him off with a club. This was a devastating loss for the Jerusalem church. And in addition, to the growing list of Christian martyrs. So there we go, a bit of a bio on James, brother of Jesus. And on tomorrow's program, we're going to take a look at the so-called James ossuary, which claims to be the bone box of James, the brother of Jesus. So stick around for tomorrow. We learn a lot from these ossuaries or the uh, the remains, if you would, or, or what seem to be the remains of these particular people. Yeah. And uh, it, it's fascinating. We've discovered, you know, King Tut's and all that through the, the last hundred years. But these revelations are amazing. Yeah, it's really interesting to go down these rabbit holes of yeah. information and see what we can learn. It's going to be very good. Okay, very good. Janice? Well, today I wanted to talk to you about John's farewell. And um, I'm focusing in on the second epistle of John, or John Two, and um, I love how he says farewell. If you take a look at Second John verse twelve, he says, "Having many things to write to you, I did not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face, that our joy may be full." And I got thinking when I looked at today's date. Um, this day that we will be airing is December the 21st. So exactly two months ago today, we met many of you at our live event in Brampton, Ontario. And what a wonderful time of fellowship. And I just want to remind each of us, you know, I know that in the past couple of years with COVID and things closing down and, and our world really um, kind of in a topsy-turvy way, we got used to being at home, didn't we? And we got used to um, just maybe fellowshipping on the internet or going to church on the internet. And I know for many of us, that tool that has been given to us by God to be able to join, if we're not able to get to church, if we're not feeling well, or or if we're just not able to, to get there, it is a wonderful thing. It is a great way to fellowship, and we can join churches in other parts of the world, and that's very exciting. But I really do want to encourage those of you that can to go to a church and fellowship with one another. And maybe it's not church on Sunday. Maybe you're not able to do that, but you're able to join a Bible study group. Or if there's not a Bible study group in your area, perhaps you can pray and ask God to help you to be the one to begin a Bible study, even if it's just with you and one other person or you as a couple and another couple doing that together and, and building things that way. Because to meet one another in fellowship, face-to-face, -to, -face, to be able to talk and laugh and, and just share testimonies and, and encourage things with the Lord. Or perhaps you're going through a rough time and, and somebody can just 
put their hand on your shoulder and pray for you. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So I just really wanted to encourage you with, with John's words. He says, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face. Of course, in those days, there wasn't the internet. There was paper and ink, and they would write letters to one another and pass it around. But in this day and age, let's take advantage of the opportunities that we have in the areas and the churches that we have to meet in fellowship with each other. And... Um, and, and thank you to all of those who came to our live event in Brampton. It was wonderful to uh, be able to talk with you and, and see you face to face. It was, it was great and very, very encouraging. And at the, um, at the onset of John's epistle, here was his greeting. And this is what I want to leave with each of you today. He says, grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father in truth and in love. Isn't that beautiful? Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. Very good. Excellent. Uh, and it was it was really good on the 21st of yes, October yeah. to, mm -hmm. to see the people. And I would echo what you've said. But I also want to encourage you, because this is the 21st of December, we're going to start the Bible again next year. It's going to be great. I've already written it. It's exciting. And uh, I, I just want to encourage you that if you've never read through the Bible, let me challenge you. It is a wonderful experience because it's not just reading through the Bible. The Holy Spirit begins to speak to your heart as you go through the Word of God, because the Word of God is not simply books and letters and it's the message of the Holy Spirit to us. That's God's word. I say to people a lot, when I pray, I pray and I try to listen. Best way I can listen is reading the word of God and allowing it to penetrate my spirit, allowing it to penetrate my heart. Then God speaks to you and he does. And uh, so I would encourage you that this next year coming, which is just a few days away. It's very exciting. And uh, as we as we go through the year, that make a decision. I'm going to read the Bible again. I'm going to read the Bible for the first time in my life. <laughs> Whatever. You just need to read the Word of God with us as we go through the Bible. Even if you can't read every single chapter, but read the sections we read. That is very critical because we just want you to get a feel for what God is saying front to back. And... And in the last five seconds, if you have gone through this whole year, awesome. Let's do it again. BibleDiscoveryTV.com, BibleDiscoveryTV.com. That's our website. You can watch our programs. Some of you are watching our programs on that 
website right now, but it's good to see you there. And uh, I just want to say that if you go there, there's writing and there's all kinds of things on there for you. And uh, we're very, very happy with that website. Praise God. Let's pray today. Lord, thank you for your gift of eternal life. One day I will graduate to eternity. Thank you, Lord, and help us today. Amen.